speak the charm of make charm of make charm There will come a time on the planet Earth when science and technology will be long forgotten. When wizards will rule the world. This is the Arnamancy Podcast. Exploring esotericism, tarot, magic, and the occult. I am Reverend Eric. guys, it's me, Eric. Hey, that's my fucking opening. Don't you dare steal it. Well, I, it's too late. I'm here with, with Alex from the Arnamancy. Welcome to Wormhole. <laughs> hi, Alex. Uh, hi, hi, Eric. So, um, Alex is the host of the Alex Cast, which is the only Alex-based podcast in the world, isn't it? Uh, yeah, I don't know. There might be others by now. Yeah, but you mean, but not like, not like Alex with two X's. There may be. I don't know. I mean, I can tell you that nearly 10 years ago when I started the show, Mm -hmm. uh, it was the only Alex-based podcast in the history of the universe. So you're basically, you're the graybeard of Alex's in podcasting. Yeah, I suppose so. All right. So Alex the Veteran, uh, and he's here on the first episode of the Arnamancy podcast, primarily because it's, it's his fault that this happened. Yeah, that's true. So I blame me. Yeah, and you know, I mean, I'm I'm glad I I uh, decided that I was going to start a new podcast under Arnamancy and sort of stop working on my alchemical bromance because I wanted a couple things. First of all, branding, right? Because I was trying to tell everybody that I was two different things all the time, and it, it got confusing. And I just don't have uh, enough of an audience or enough output to really. Um, feed more than one name. You know, it's not like I'm, I'm not the Mike Patton of uh, content production in the world. Well, let me, you know, let me give this little bit of explanation because I feel like I can give more truth because there might be, because I can say it more negatively. Okay. My alchemical bromance is a terrible name. I've known you for the entire time the show's been on, basically, and I don't know the names of your co-hosts. Therefore, it's your show. Why is it called Biochemical Bromance? You should rebrand as Arnamancy. No, you can't say that. I'm not even saying you agree with what I just said, but I'm saying that's my opinion. Well, I, hey, I, and weirdly enough, now there's a show called Arnamancy with all the you on it. <laughs> uh, I, I do like the name. I think it's a. I think it's a fun name. It's, but it is kind of goofy. It is, and it's based on a terrible band. I have never listened to their music. I, I mean, they're not terrible. They're just, like, the most, like, plain, like, that era rock music you can ever find. Yeah, and it definitely, the name uh, interferes with search results. Yes. Because if you, if you Google My Alchemical Bromance, and by the way, I don't think anybody should use Google. If you use DuckDuckGo and look up My Alchemical Bromance, it's going to think you mean My Chemical Romance, and it's going to send you to those results. So, yeah, it was... The branding stuff was kind of an issue, um, but also like creative direction. I wanted to have the freedom to do my own thing, and I felt like since I nominally had two other co-hosts, I, every time I wanted to change stuff up, I had to be like, oh, I better check with them first. So so it was a good idea. Thank you, Alex. Uh, when you came up with the idea and I agreed to it, you made me promise that you could be my first guest. So here you are. Okay, that's not really what happened. Oh, I'm but... certain that's what happened. <laughs> yeah. Let's hold here. Uh, move your mic that way, because you keep moving away from it. This way? Yeah, you keep you you keep going over here. Oh, uh, which is where the mic isn't. Oh yeah, it's because I want I I can't see you. 
Okay. Oh, that's fine. Like right, then your this? eyeballs are above Mike, so now right, we're yeah. Right. Now you're not going to dodge it as much. It's just okay. an instinct. That's actually why these things don't do anything. They're literally so people. People always want to put their mouth on the mic. These yeah, so are you... almost useless when you have the baffle on. Uh-huh. I just put them there so people don't put their face on the mic. These oh, are literally spacers, <laughs> which is, I, I, I'll, I'll tell you because I trust you, but like, you know, kind of noobs to uh, mm-hmm. people on mics is, this is literally just zoo animal shit. That's, so that's so you don't put your face on the mic and go, pop, plosive, th, th, th. <laughs> okay. Uh, Edit right. that. Okay. So... Uh, all right, so fine. I it wasn't. That's not exactly how it went, but um. yeah. What I remember was uh, we're sitting at the bar. Uh, I was wearing an ermine cloak uh, on my typical throne, carried around by Vestal Virgins. And you said, "Oh, please." I mean, this was a little. I mean, I'm kind of paraphrasing, but you're like, "Oh, Alex, please bless me with your divine wisdom. What shall I do in my future endeavors?" And I deemed to give you information. I may be a little high, and. <laughs> 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 no, but uh, I I remember say uh, giving you advice, and then you saying you really need to be uh, my first guest. There's no one else in the world that could ever, you know, be in your shoes without you. I'm nothing. Something along those lines. I think you might be a little high. Yeah. Well, it so it, I guess the reality is it was probably somewhere in between those two. The cloak was real. I don't think there were any virgins. <laughs> yeah, I mean. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> I was trying to remember what Vestal, like, I was trying to make a pun off of Vestal, and I'm like, nope, doesn't work. That far has a vestibule. No, it doesn't work. No, no. Well, Vesta was an ancient Roman goddess. Yeah, no, I meant, or more meant I was trying to find a way to make a pun off of that, and it just, mm. there, nothing was happening. But anyway, Ermine Cloak. Ermine Cloak. So, um, all right, so uh, I thought that we would come on, and maybe we would talk about tarot. And so we're in Alex's dungeon right now. I mean, his basement or whatever you call this. This place. used to be called Echo Chamber Studios, but now I have enough uh, uh, this weird squishy stuff hanging on the wall, so it's not as echoey as it used to be. We call it now Foam Wall Studios. Yes, and um, and uh, we <clears throat> we brought out a bunch of tarot decks. So we've got some tarot decks and some oracle decks. Uh, I've got the Picatrix deck and deck. I've got some abnormal tarot decks. We've got BMO here to keep us company. And I thought we would start by... Uh, so, Alex, like, you've been using tarot for a zillion years, right? Yeah. Um, I got my first deck in um, 95, 96, something like that. And was it a Thoth deck? Or? It was literally the Thoth deck that is sitting on the table right now. It was that Thoth this, deck. This deck has been around since 95, 96. I have uh, been using it somewhat regularly that entire time. And mm-hmm. it is in remarkable shape because I so fell in love with this thing that it was like it was like a rookie baseball card i shouldn't have used that analogy because i know nothing about baseball but i imagine it's like how you would take care of something uh that kind of valuable so i have uh these things have been uh, with me through many many moves i've kept them in places of honor i actually mm-hmm. had the the uh, box it came in for the first uh, uh 15 years of ownership but then eventually they like degraded down so now i now i have it in like a velvet satchel but yeah this is this is the deck the deck oh wow yeah uh so there's a lot of lot of mojo on that guy so you know i've been using tarot um since i was a kid uh probably like 
I must have been 12 or 13 years old. But uh, my first deck is long gone, and I have I didn't bring um, any of my really long time decks with me. I but I did bring the Rota Tarot from Sword Sadkiel, which is sort of the deck that I carry with me all the time. Um, is that your that's your main use deck? Yeah, yeah, and it's uh, I love it. It's a it's it's definitely I would say. Um, unusual. It's very brightly colored. I enjoy the symbolism quite a bit, and um, yeah. So I was thinking we could we could experiment. Let's do some tarot. Yeah, let's do that. All right. So uh, I've never used a Thoth deck. I mean, I've never owned one. Yeah. I uh, I'm I'm unfamiliar with it. Should we uh, should we start with that? Let me. I'll, I'll, well, what I was gonna say is I will I will I will grant you uh, use of my Thoth deck. Why don't you play around with it and see what you can do? All right. Why um, don't you take a look at this one? Yes, I do want to see the Road of Tarot because right. I've seen this a lot on your uh, on your social media, especially when uh, I believe you had the the person that made these on, right? Oh yeah, she used to live in town. Yeah. So um, yeah, it was uh, that was I think. Uh, that was a really fun episode. Oh, these are great looking. Why have I? They're beautiful. Yeah, yeah. Life? It's a Lady Frida Harris is the lady that painted yeah. them all. They're they're gorgeous. There is so much symbolism wrapped up. That's why I think you would geek out in these so hard. Like, uh, like every every card has like six layers of like. There's an alchemical story rolled into there. Like the uh, the alchemical wedding is told mm-hmm. in that deck, and then like every card has all the uh, uh, astrological you know, kind of overlay, and then the mythical overlay. It's, they're so, it's so ridiculously deep. That's why I've had it for so long, and I still, I think I don't know anything about tarot, because I started reading on those. Yeah, I mean, I guess the thing is, you know, um, the Thoth Tarot is uh, tied to Aleister Crowley, and uh, that's probably been one of the reasons that I've avoided it so much. I've always, I've never really been a big Crowley fan. I am um, not a Crowley fan. I say this, I loathe that man. I think he's half an ass and a hypocrite, but he made a really, really good tarot deck. That's well, just one, you know, it's like, it's like shitty parents that made a rad kid. You know, yeah, I don't know yeah. anything about Frida Harris, but. Uh, well, I mean, honestly, so I've been listening to, um, uh, the, uh, for my, or Fortune's Wheelhouse podcast, which is an exploration of tarot. And uh, and the ladies that do that are just like experts in this stuff, and um, and they make a really good argument for paying attention to the Thoth deck, even though you may not like Crowley. So you know, looking at it now, I'm thinking to myself, I should probably. Dude, there's so much stuff in there. I've been saying this for know, a while. Like, at, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. I like this deck too. This is like a little more simple than I like the the Rota deck I'm going through. Mm-hmm. This is the thing that um, not bothers me, but I that I. Maybe you can answer. Why is Baphomet or a version of Baphomet on a lot of devil cards? I believe that the version of Baphomet that's on all the devil cards uh, dates back to, um, wait. Well, it's Alphias Levy, right? Was the guy that came up with the Baphomet that looks like that? Yeah. And, and I probably pronounced both his names wrong, but you, yeah. That. Uh, I always call him Eliphas Levy. Yeah, I was going to say, I don't... I, but I have no idea. 90% of the stuff I know, I've never said out loud. So it's it's like, <laughs> as I said that, I'm like, oh, no idea if I... You know, he's been he's been dead for yeah, like um, 200 years. No, so. but it's just strange that it's... You know, that's like the common thing of like when people th- confuse Baphomet with the devil. It's like, well, why do people in the know do that? Because it's it's not. Well, I mean, you know, weight is the symbol. I'm not sure yeah. that there's anything um, that anybody's that. It, that's a really good question. You know, Baphomet itself, like just the, all the 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 uh, stuff about Baphomet, like um, if you run it through the uh, at Bash cipher, it spells Sophia. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh. 
um, which is bizarre. And I always took it to be the. Uh, oh, sorry, just stepped on you, but I always took it to the 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 thing with uh, it's French making fun of Muhammad. Do you know that one? Yeah, I've heard yeah. that too. Um, and it's supposedly somehow tied into the whole Knights Templar stuff. Well, that's the Muhammad thing. Is, yeah. is there they the Knights Templar sided with one side of some Middle Eastern conflict, so they're making mm-hmm. the, the, them having Baphomet was them siding with the Mohammedans. Blah blah blah. You you get that? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <clears throat> I, so so the Atbash cipher thing that ties um, uh, Baphomet to like a, a Gnostic goddess. Yes. thing is just bizarre. Like, is that just coincidence? And really, it could be. Um, well, I mean, that about cipher, the one that I've seen, uh, what, what the, the things people have shown me, comes out with, like, what's it, like 20-something results for any given thing? Mm-hmm. So twenty. Oh so- no no no! That's not the Atbash. Oh, am I the, am I confusing with another one? The Atbash is a really really simple cipher. In the Atbash cipher, you take the Hebrew alphabet and yeah. you have it one way, and then you reverse it right underneath, and that's the key. So basically. Oh like, okay, I'm with- thinking of a different cipher thing. Yeah, because there's, what? Oh god, what's that called? It's, it sounds like that though. Oh, who gives a shit? Sorry. I had a group of friends that kept sending me this one website that was like one of these uh, cipher symbol. Uh, dealies but it, its results were always 20 something results mm-hmm. and oh you know what it was it was one of the crowley ones it was something to do with the book of lies it's one of those deals mm-hmm. where one of the cipher system goes to that's what i'm thinking of yeah oh yeah yeah you know what i'm talking about it's, i i know i know what you're talking about and i've looked at it a little bit yeah um, and, and that one's get a bunch of results for each so it's like yeah yeah 20 so something words you can within 20 words i can find something that seems magic-y. Ciphers like that are primarily contemplative tools, though. I mean, they aren't yeah. supposed to necessarily really hide any sort of secret. But so, And, him, in- and him allowing the, the growth of the clone army, I think that... Oh, no, that was Sifo-Dyas. Who the heck is Sifo? That was, a, that was a deep cut Star Wars reference. <laughs> that was the name of the Jedi that supposedly allowed the clone army to be oh, created. Oh, right. That dude, he made a mistake. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> I'm, I'm not sorry at all, but... Well, I'm honestly, sorry. like, without the clone army... Uh, the the droid army would have taken over everything. Yeah, and that would have been bad. Would that have been bad? I don't know. I've never really under. I've watched those movies a whole bunch of times, and I swear it doesn't like it doesn't make whole shitload it of sense. It seems to me that the that the the droid army was fighting for greater economic freedom. I don't or something I don't of that I nature. It's really bad. I don't remember why the clone army was important. Well, I mean, they, I think they were, they were, they were, it was one of those, you know, uh, hidden hand doing both sides kind of thing. Anyway, sorry, let's get All back right, to the right, cipher. Okay. All yeah. right, let's get back to the cipher. So, um, so like, for instance, with the at, I'm, I'm going to get this wrong because I can't um, remember exactly how it works out. But in the at-bash cipher, uh, if you're going to spell um, Baphomet in Hebrew, for instance, maybe you'd spell it bet pe mem Baphomet. Uh, tav. So, uh, t- if you reverse that, bet would go with uh, with sheen. Uh, pay would probably, I guess, have to go with pay. Is pay right in the middle? I don't even remember. I thought like la, uh, like noon was right in the middle. Well, anyhow, but it ends up turning into Sophia. Yeah. Where, yeah, and um, where I think uh, Mem ends up being Ayn. I can't remember. Obviously, I should. I we, I didn't know we were going to talk about this, so I didn't uh, look at it too much. But um, but that that sort of hidden thing is really interesting. So, and then Eliphas Levy, I think, was the first one who sort of tied Baphomet into like the alchemical symbolism as well. I don't know, but because you always see like Baphomet with 
Solway and uh, Coagula, Coagula yeah. on its arms. And then um, and having, like, the male and female blended and all those yeah. sorts of stuff. Uh, and then, you know, what is it, like, the Church of Satan or whatever had that Baphomet statue put in the... Yeah. Uh, where was that arc? Some southern state. Yeah. Probably gets super annoyed by it. I think it's Oklahoma. Oklahoma had the Ten Commandments out front that I think... That yeah, and I think that's down. what there was re- their response to it, was that they were going to put a Baphomet statue up next to the Ten Commandments. <laughs> because the, if you're allowed religious symbolism on it, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I... Yeah, the... And uh, then it ended up in Sabrina, the Teenage Witch. Yes. Which was entertaining. It was. I only watched the first season, but the first season was entertaining. All right, so I'm going to I'm going to draw some cards. You want to draw some how, is there You is, know what we should do? Let's I, I'm going to make you let's make you really uncomfortable on your first episode. Okay. I'm going to make you do the full Crowley layout. So this is going to sound weird for what a second. What the heck is the full Crowley? So this layout? is this is the way I read tarot, and I'm going to I'm going to make you lay out a full Oh boy. spread. And All obviously, right. this is going to be way too many cards for you to read on the show, but it'll okay. be fun for you to get overwhelmed. <laughs> He's clearing off a lot of space. Oh, this yeah. is going to okay. be a so, ginormous. Um, shuffle it up, and I'll tell you. Well, this is the way I do it. So shuffle. You're going to be. You're going to be me in this. Shuffle it up. Okay. And then I'm going to tell you when to stop. All right. Let's see if I can. I shuffle. don't know if that's the way you do it, or, or uh, this thing, whatever you call that. It's, oh. I mean, if you can shuffle those like in the traditional riffle way, go for it. But those cards These are fucking cards big. These cards are enormous, yeah. and I have very presidential hands. Yeah, no, I'm I'm the same way. I can't actually. I mean, I can sort of riffle them, but like, I think that's you know those kind of things are fine. All right, I, and four more of those. I want you to stop. Can our guests at home here? Uh... Possibly. The cards, the cards I'm shuffling. Yeah. All right, how close am I? Um, right there, I want you to stop. Perfect. Okay. So, All right. I'm going to show Eric how to lay out a Thoth thing. You're going to have to be on this side of the table, so okay. I'm going to walk... Be- no, you know what? Here. Well, I'm going to lay it out for yeah. you, because it's not like it really matters who holds the cards now. So okay, okay. I'll, I'll narrate. Yeah. Okay, so... so we're, we're clearing the space even more. So... The center, so we're it's a 15-card layout, and, uh, you know, I'm just going to lay it out, and I can show you okay. what I mean. Okay. So it goes one, two, It's looking good three. so far. Uh, there's sort of three in a row in the middle. There, who's there every, oh, there's I have be, seen this before. It's sort of like this giant weird H-ish yeah. thing. <laughs> there are too many cards for the table. Okay. Okay, that's 15. Yeah. All right. Okay, so what do we have in the middle? We've got... Is okay, that the so magician? Did we start off with the magician? Uh, that's the magus. The yeah. magus. Oh, yeah. I feel like... Number one card. Okay, and then way up here, we've got the three of wands. But we also here. have the, the hierophant. Uh, so... This is, I'm gonna, uh, now I'm gonna force you to read. Okay. So this is what, this is what the layout means. Do we need to... We're gonna have to move the microphones then. Um... Or... Something. Yeah. Well, let's. Um, well, I'll explain what it means, and then we'll figure it out. Okay. So, the center here mm-hmm. is querence or question. Okay. Um, these are possible futures. You know, what you know, you mm-hmm. mean like that's mm-hmm. you know, future. If they disagree, it's one or the other. If they read into each other, it can be the same thing. Okay. Um, down here is um, your um, psychological influences. Mm-hmm. Wait, how does he word it? Hold on one second. I don't want to describe this poorly. What did I do with my bag? Um. <laughs> well, the, the problem is that I've been doing this forever. Um, 
and the way that I read the bottom two, I have a feeling disagrees with. Do you see a red tarot bag? A red tarot bag. Um, oh yes. Okay. There. I want to give the the proper what he says it means. Okay. Okay. So. Um, Yeah. Oh, yeah. I was right. So this is the psychological cards. So this is the basis of decision making. That's the bottom left triad. Yeah. Okay. And then the bottom right over here is like I call it karma, but that's uh, godly forces, exterior stuff uh, that is unchangeable, immutable. But I, in my head, that's karma. But, okay. So uh, yeah, we're looking at fifteen cards here. Yeah. This is. Uh, I should. Sorry. I'm overtaking your show for one second. I just want to be very clear here. This is incredibly unfair of me towards Eric and. Th- there is zero expectation of successful read. This is a... I think this is the second largest common spread there is. I think I've seen one with more cards, but, like... Well, there's... This is overwhelming amount of cards, especially with a, a, a deck you're not familiar with. So I just want to give... I want to give the the warning for your listeners, because I know Eric is a talented reader, and I don't want to... <laughs> Do you remember the first time I read cards for you? I think I came on your show the first time, and I read your cards, and you were like, oh, nobody can read cards for me, and neither could I. <laughs> yeah, but this time this time you have an excuse. That time you just fell on your face. You've got some... <laughs> some of these cards are just beautiful. Like, yeah, right? Uh, and, and I mean, I'm kind of... You know, I'm not completely ignorant of the deck. I just haven't really spent very much time... Oh, this was actually the card I was referencing before. Like, he's riding, like, the staff of Asclepius. Oh, he is. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's the Magus. No, yeah, no, I know, but it's just like it's. There's so many layers of things that aren't like shoved in your face, like a lot of the kind of uh, Rider Waite Smith style, where it's just. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, for for those of you playing along at home, I'm going to uh, read out the 15 cards, um, starting with the center. So the center three cards from left to right are the Hierophant, the Magus, and the Two of Coins. Uh, the upper left, which is the first of the possible future triads. Yeah, weirdly enough, I read them right to the left, but I don't know if that's just me. I shouldn't have interrupted. Sorry. <laughs> sorry. I should. As I said it, I went, oh, that's just... I've been doing this... I'm going to read them. Sorry. Gonna read, no, no, read, right. read them the way you want. Sorry. <laughs> I, I did, my apologies. It just... You know, it's like it's like someone driving your car you've had since yeah. high school, where it's like, no, 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 no. You have to shift this way. <laughs> <laughs> All right. The upper left triad is the tower, the aeon, and the five of wands. The upper right is the Princess of Cups, the Princess of Wands, and the Three of Wands. Okay, the lower left, which you said was the psychological triad. We've got the Six of Wands, the Four of Cups, and the Seven of Cups. Ooh, wow, that one's cool. Okay, and then the bottom right, which is the karmic triad, is that what you said? Yeah, like karma, outside influences, godly stuff, uh, uh, discorporate entities enacting upon you, shit like that. We have down here the Knight of Wands, uh, Fortune, which is like, it's the Wheel of Fortune, number 10 in the Major Arcana, and then the Seven of Wands. All right. Well, so in most of the styles of reading that I know, um, the first thing you do is you sort of look at, like, what elements are kind of controlling the whole thing. And we have an overwhelming number of wands right? here. Which is so, weird for me. I'm usually swords and horrors. <laughs> <laughs> so out of the 15 cards, we've got one, two, three, four, five, six wands, uh, three cups, um... And the rest are major arcana. 
So we're looking at something super big. This reading is big. It's, uh, you know, wands and cups are um, are uh, fire and water, and in terms of like the sort of Kabbalistic map of the universe, are kind of like the top two elements. So, so those cards are sort of like in indicating that we're not we're not necessarily dealing with a manifested idea or anything of um, anything that is necessarily yet impacting the material world. Now, right here in the middle of the whole reading is the Magus, and I feel like not only was it the first card we pulled out, but it just um, it just feels like everything out else in the card radiates out from the central point in the Magus, because that's just sort of how the artwork works. All right, let's look down here at the psychological part of here. We've got the Six of Wands, the Four of Cups, and the Seven of Cups. You say you usually read them. Do you ever read them just from like the center outward? Yeah. What what I meant by that was, and I I, I I realized immediately that I was telling you how to drive my blessing. I meant the future stuff is because the top two lines are are connected to each other. Mm -hmm. the, the top six cards, for some reason in my head, it goes the rightmost is like the one to start with. Okay. And then if this one connects to the right, it's a six card thing if it doesn't connect then it's kind of two future paths the fact that change is at center not trying to tell you how to read but like to me change at center would mean that these two are probably in opposition but i'm mm -hmm. literally not even looking at these cards i'm trying to just let you do well what what you would do with a completely unfamiliar deck and layout <laughs> we've got i would say that it's a uh, it, if i'm going to look at these cards um i'm hoping that they are not connected to two future paths because on the left we've got the tower aeon and the Five of Wands, which is also labeled as Strife. Um, now, the Tower is not a comfortable card ever. That is a card of, of um, abrupt change and sometimes very catastrophic change, usually changes that you're not really planning for. And then the Five of Wands way over there, this, that Strife card is also a card about like change that you might not have as much control over as you'd like. Uh, you know, every four is sort of about things sitting still, and so fives tend to be new motion and new direction. And the fire suit of wands is one of those um, suits that, uh, even th it, though it's very powerful, it isn't always your friend. It's, uh, it's like fire. You know, you can either burn and destroy, or you can use it to create. So that whole upper left triad of the the tower the aeon and the five of wands just makes me kind of feel like okay there's an end in sight but there's no happiness on either side of it there's just a lot of destruction change all right so then on the other side though we'd still have we have some really good change happening over on the other side so if we're reading from right to left we've got the three of wands which is um, threes are sort of the first movement, the first creation. Moving into the Princess of Wands and then the Princess of Cups. I This is a tough one for me. I know that Crowley does the um, face cards differently than I'm used to, so I'm not totally certain how to read these guys. But if I was going to associate princesses with pages... Man, and the symbolism. I'm just not familiar with the... <laughs> But face cards are so difficult to begin with that here we are with a whole new set of... Oh, the Princess of Cups has a turtle and a swan and a fish and a lily, which... Okay, so 
typically, uh, I, I again use sort of like an elemental matrix to connect the uh, face cards into the suits. So I would usually look at the princess cu- princess cards as being sort of like Earth of blah blah blah. So here we have Earth of water and Earth of fire, both of which have to do with like taking energy in the in the in the wands in the princess of wands you have this elemental creative energy that you're bringing into the material world the princess of cups you have sort of emotional energy that's being brought into the material world and all of it oh i keep leaning away from the microphone it sounds weird. oh you're fine i think once we if you run an eq on it it'll be fine i can all hear right. you fine in okay, the cans great yeah. uh yeah and then so uh along with that three of wands i would say that it's some sort of this is a this is a much preferable future that hopefully is not tied to this. Hopefully you can just pick this one, or we can pick. The, I don't. Who are we even reading for? Me. Oh. Well, we didn't actually specify. We which didn't. Was uh, probably something we should have. In my head, I was thinking me, but this this actually would make more sense for you. So, um, <laughs> well, generally my. Uh, uh, I mean, there's a bit of histrionics in here, but generally when this deck reads about me, it, it is a dramatic little, like, you know, drama queen histrionics screaming kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And there's a bit of that in here, but this is this is an uncommon reading that if it were about me. So this actually tends to make more sense. Okay. Well, Unless you're reading with reversals, then I could see it being about me. I don't, uh, I've been flipping the reversals around. Yeah, I, I noticed you don't re- read with reversals, or at least yeah, in this I've, deck. Yeah, I've never really... Um, I'm moving away from those myself, actually, the older I get. I, so, I... I yeah, well, let's talk about that in a second. Let me okay. finish this. So um, now it look, I'm looking back at the center three where we've got the Hierophant, the Magus, and the um, two of Pentacles. So here we have... Um, oh, I'm, I think I kind of see now. So the Magus, as one of the sort of introductory cards of the Major Arcana, is kind of like the beginning of a journey and the beginning of some sort of major undertaking or project. One of the nice things that, the the way I always interpret the Magus card is it's kind of in opposition to the Fool, where with the Fool you're starting off with something new and you have absolutely no clue of what's going on, whereas with the Magus you usually have the tools that you need in order to succeed. So over on the left you've got the Hierophant, who usually to me represents some sort of like internal structure of Um, rules and ethics and mores and then over on the right you have the two of pentacles which is again it's the only i'm sorry the two of discs no no, it's fine it's it's the only they call it coins i don't care it's all the same (laughs) shit (laughs) it's the only real um like earthy earth card that we've got going on in this whole reading isn't it yeah so that one has to do with um with new things happening in the material world. I think it ties in very nicely to this side where you've got both princesses hanging out up there right above the the two of discs. I like this route. This is better. All right, so the psychological six of wands. That's like the hero card where in the rider weight you've got the guy riding back into town and he's all like I'm big shit and he's got like his laurel leaves, his yeah. crown of laurel and all that sort of stuff. And this stuff. one it's literally victory. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> uh, then luxury, the four of cups, leading into the seven of cups, which is is that debauch? Debauch. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, that's funny. I that's a tough one to read. You know, four of cups is a nice, pleasant card that usually has to do with some sort of like emotional stillness point. The seven is an obstacle that has to do with like an internal emotional struggle where you, where you have to 
consciously decide for yourself, like, I'm going to, whether you're going to take a road that you can clearly see or a road that is completely unknown to you. Can here it's called debauch. I don't know what that's about. Okay, finally. Well, I think I think the idea is uh, the overabundance of the watery nature. You know, like mm-hmm. liter. You know, it's a bacchanal. You know. <laughs> well, because if you look at the card and then think like overabundance, it actually does kind of visually. You know, it does. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. I can see that. Yeah. Okay, that would make sense with um, with some of the the more classical. Slightly more classical imagery. Yeah, it's not there. the. I don't think that's the best word in the deck. Although I like that word, I mm-hmm. don't think it's like a hundred percent the best thing for that that card. Uh, oh yeah. All right. So and then finally the karmic um, spoke in the yeah, bottom. That's what I, wait, right. Let me see what he calls it. Okay. That's I've always called it. I mean, it may actually. I may just be calling it what he calls it. Um, oh yeah. No, he says uh, forces operating beyond the clearance control, destiny, or karma. So, Destiny right. or Karma. Well, yeah. we've got some cool cards here, such as the Knight of Wands, some destin, destine, desterific cards. Like desterific, the, yeah. Like the Fortune card, which is literally about changing fortunes and all that kind of stuff. And then um, the Seven of Wands, which is Valor. Uh I like it as sort of a, a bookend here where you've got the Six of Wands and the Seven of Wands next. Uh, yeah, that jumped out at me too, yeah. And it's kind of cool because the Seven of Wands is very obviously a um, an evolution, right? You have basically the same design with the same collection of wands with the same symbols on the end, plus this sort of like natural-looking woody wand right in the middle. And, um, yeah, I was just reading about this recently about how in... Uh, Crowley's Thoth deck and the Wands cards, every time the Wands intersect, there's like a burst of flame, which I think is kind of cool. And what does it mean? Altogether, it looks like it's sort of about starting a new project, trying to pick the path that's right, making sure that you can take your passions and the things that you love and manifest them in the world instead of spiraling into a into an end game of chaos and destruction. But, you know, fortunes are always turning and outcomes are difficult to predict. And uh, I just have to trust the tools that I have available to me through the Magus card. Don't fall, don't fall prey to the uh, excesses of debauchery, but instead, oh, and there's also the two. Oh, sorry about the tapping. Uh, there's also the two sevens at the end here. That's interesting. It's almost like they sort of mirror the princesses of uh, cups and wands up mm-hmm. top. I've got a princess. I've got the seven of cups and the seven of wands. So there is almost like a. There does feel like a, a choice being laid out here. That's an interesting reading. I really. Uh, I feel like I did okay. I think you did. It, so here's here's what I took out of that. Uh, weirdly enough, the second we said, "Oh, who's this reading about?" I just totally got it. This is the changeover from my alchemical bromance, the beer and oh, fortune telling podcast. Mm-hmm. There's your choice between the two divergent paths. I always take choose as choice. Yeah, yeah. With there's your debauch. That's the psychological basis behind the choice of the two. This is almost like a retro reading of it is. This it is. is. I think this, this is the is, birth of Arnamancy from is the reading. I yeah. need to get a better picture of this. I'm gonna yeah. well, let me grab my camera here. Yeah. So uh, this is yeah. That to me, that's that's the birth of Arnamancy, and that's where that all the de- debauch. That's the beer drinking version of the of the <laughs> show moving into the more 
and that's also where I think the major arcana is showing up, where it's, you know, the seriousness of it or whatever. Not serious is, like, is the wrong term. This... But you can see how I, how I like that layout, where there's, like, there's so many things, because then you can also... One of, one of the kind of my favorite parts of that layout is you can change your mind so many times across across the layout. So mm-hmm. we can... Uh... So I'm not sure if I ever told you about this, but when I moved um, to Portland many years ago, uh, one of the things, one of the sort of career paths that I had in mind is like, you know what, I think I'm going to be a beer writer. Um, because I'd been doing that a little bit. I'd been blogging about beer and food um, at a defunct blog that, you know, still exists, but I'm not going to give anybody the address because, man, that was a long time Mm. ago. Um, But uh, when I got up here and I started exploring the beer culture and sort of like the writers about beer culture, I realized a few things really quickly. First, it's extremely insular, right? So breaking into it would have been very difficult. And second, it's extremely boozy. Like, you just can't do it without drinking all the time. And, um... And, I, and something about my alchemical bromance, like having that pressure, like, oh, yeah, it's about beer and the occult. Like, that's kitschy, but at the same time, I also think that having that kind of, like, beer-drinking element to it turns off some potential guests and some potential listeners. Uh, which, eh, I mean, I guess it doesn't bother me a whole lot, but I think it's funny to see that that, that was sort of brought up. I felt like it was sort of brought up in that tarot reading. Yeah, no, I that's that's what my take from that was. Uh, the second I realized, oh yeah, we're reading about you, then it's like, oh, this is clarity because that made no sense to me. Mm-hmm. Those aren't cards that usually show up for me. And we talked about this in your first appearance, but like I am terrifically difficult to read for. I don't know what it is, but like every tower reader I've ever run into has has had trouble with my cards. I don't know yeah. why. Um, I mean, people, I yeah, I mean, not to go into the long list of it's just something like you know i'll sit down at uh you know like there's a tarot reading town that i wanted to visit one time and she ended up being at this metaphysical fair i was at mm-hmm. so i sat down I'm like hey you know give me a read she's like oh yeah this is do you mind if and she ended up doing a separate like a secondary reading because i just i was throwing you know my whatever throws curveballs a tarot reader and i'm like oh yeah no, 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 i got it. like yeah i know it's I'm I'm a fucking weirdo, and for some reason you know my my future is odd or my you know whatever i'm throwing out there is odd well, I think that my first attempt at a uh, reading with the Thoth Tarot was successful. Oh, yeah. No, I think I think you did great. Uh, I think you kind of understood the concepts because you were seeing how they cross-reference each other. Because mm-hmm. also that's, I think, the point of that weird H layout is because you can see the X and like kind of how the center interconnects with futures and psychology and karma and everything. You right, know? right. Yeah, actually, the layout of the cards kind of looks like like Lad's edition. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's a Lad's, we should just call it the Lad's reading. Yeah. The lad's layout. That would be nice. So we got some other decks here, and I was thinking, um, uh, uh, I really want to look at, so this is Eric Millar's. Yeah, let's, let's, let's have you throw some, um, so Eric Millar is a a local artist, and he has been doing on wethehallowed.org a disruption generator project, where he's got a random word generator, random word generator, and for 120 days, or 120 uh, posts, uh, you know, five days a week without weekends and possibly holidays. He's been posting the random word. He draws a picture of it and then kind of a oracular reading of that word, which mm-hmm. some are more difficult than others. Like, I know at one point he got, I, I don't know if they happened in a row, but he got blueberry and bucket. 
which it's very <laughs> different. Blueberry, you could probably make some kind of oracular, kind of interesting occultness to it, but bucket is a difficult thing to try to try to make. Uh, I think bucket is would be easier than blueberry. A blueberry, you could do a whole Persephone thing. I feel like I know that's pomegranate, but I mean, I feel like there's fruit. But a bucket, a bucket is like a container, and it's like the working man's container, right? Yeah, so you have like a whole. Um, Operative. Yeah. Oh yeah, it could be like works or something yeah. in the tarot. Yeah, okay. But uh, anyways, yeah. So we uh, he did that, and um, I, I have very little involvement. It's uh, Keats who've been on the show, and and mm-hmm. Eric who, is, not me, the other Eric, Eric Millar, uh, Eric Millar. Yeah. Um, so uh, I work at a print shop, and I decided to as kind of a gift because I'm working with Eric on another project, Eric Millar on another project. I made them tarot decks of the system because it's coming out as a book very soon it should be yeah. on amazon very soon i think he, yeah i think uh, eric millar sent me a preview pdf of it to to check out yeah it, so. it looks really great and it's going to be an interesting it's like a divinatory it's bibliomancy style book but i made a mm-hmm. tarot tarot system out of it because i work at a print shop and yeah. it was slow and my boss is cool so he let me do it and eric has one of the three existent decks uh Ever. He's actually the only person to ever hold the the disruption generator that had nothing to do with it, which I had very little to do with it. I, <laughs> I, I had uh, – I'm working with him on another project and made the decks for them. So I'm, I've, I'm the kinkos of this, but <laughs> – well, I think, um, you know, this is, since this is a very, I mean, I don't even know what you would call that level of abstraction. Like it's an Oracle deck made almost entirely at random. Yeah, it's entirely like random. Ritually, yeah. randomly created over. Well, I think that's why it's the the disruption generator. You know, it's it yeah. is, you know, it just makes me think of like um, you've read the Invisibles, right? Yeah, so, like not all of it, but yeah. I've read a good chunk. There's yeah. a scene at the end where um, they have this drug in the Invisibles that causes you to um, see words as what they really are, and uh, there's a scene at the end where one of the main characters. Um, goes into some sort of like divinatory trance where she injects herself with the drug and then has a random word generator popping words up on the screen in front of her. Oh, that's right. Um, which is kind of like this. Yeah. Uh, I'm very excited. I, so uh, I'll just pull out three cards. Yeah, there's no system. I mean, I don't, right. th- I don't think there's a system. Being, the only system that exists is the book version. Eric kind of invented a, um, a way to read from the book. But as far as cards, we don't know. All right, the first card is enormous. <laughs> the second card is haunt. And the third card is misshapen. Oh. Okay, uh, and let me I'll I'll desc- I'll, uh, I'll describe these um, three images so that the audience, the listeners can get a picture of it. So the card labeled enormous, it looks like uh, some very tiny people standing in front of an enormous like stone tower with, like, enormous things in the background sort of looming around. Um, So it's literally an enormous thing. Uh, Haunt has a very shocked-looking man with two sort of ghoulish apparitions behind him that sort of look like they came out of that Scream painting, you know, the famous Scream. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then uh, Miss Shapen has a slightly cartoonish-looking face that is very misshapen with big lumps and things. Its mouth is agape. Its nose is like a ginormous pomegranate. And its teeth are pointing off in every direction. Oh, I don't even know. Here, you read these. It's your turn. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, so, uh, enormous haunt misshapen. 
Well, let's see. My immediate thought is kind of uh, a negative reaction to a project to work. So, like, Enormous is almost like, you know, Tower of Babel kind of thing. I was thinking that, too. It reminded me of Tower of Babel. So, yeah. Yeah, okay. And then Haunt is, you know, the the, the, the figures behind it are the screaming kind of things. Mm-hmm. The haunting. And then Misshapen is, you know, obviously Misshapen, this kind of ghoulish. Uh, if you think about that as a psychological thing instead of, like, a physical misshape. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, know? yeah. So, it's so... Like, so, it's like the Enormous is like this, like, this this project or this like the looming thing that's happening right now and this is the running away from you and the haunt is like the guilt or the feeling that you're doing it wrong or maybe that it's not happening right and then the misshapen is the effect that it has on you maybe yeah yeah so it's a yeah this is like very much like kind of a worry over a project sort of thing is 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 what i would take out of it hmm but that's kind of the, the the cool thing about this de- about this. I, you know, you shouldn't even call it a deck; it's a book yeah. uh, that I made a deck out of. Uh, uh, that it's it is obtuse. Like mm-hmm. I mean, it, yeah, it's yeah. I mean, that's 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 what jumps out at me. Or like you know, like, or or the other way to read it would be uh, a a misapprehension of a work. So thinking that what you made is shittier than it is. Like, so if you create something good, you think of it as misshapen, but it's actually this enormous quality. Because it's not like these, like, so in the enormous thing, there's two towers, and it's not like they're inferior quality build towers. They're there. Right, I mean, there's people hanging out. Nobody looks terrified of it or anything. Yeah, so they work, but, like, but you're haunted by the idea that there's this misshapen mess. So you're, you're thinking that, you know, whatever, you're, you're, your art, your book, your creation, it's like your whatever. second guessing of, yeah. of the quality of your own work. Yeah. Ah. Is, is, is that's, that's my other read, hmm. which I like that one better now that I think about it. Yeah, that one, I think that one, uh, yeah. that one makes sense. Hmm. So, yeah, Disruption Generator uh, uh, cards getting some use. Yeah, cool. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to spending some time with this. Um, Eric Millar, I, I really, I've only talked to him a little bit, but he seems like an incredibly creative uh individual yeah i mean he'd be a good person to have on the show i i will i'm yeah. gonna have him on the show i'm totally gonna do it yeah <laughs> it'd be a good i i need to have him on mine I've, I've only spoken to him once on on mike and that was for uh yeah you Keats. guys have some interesting projects coming up don't you yeah he and i were doing a comic book together that's uh, awesome yeah yeah weirdly enough uh based around lads edition and we're calling it uh lilith's edition right now oh yeah yeah well that's cool yeah so super weird uh occulty book but like done in a humorous style so you've had um you've got some books available on amazon yeah i have uh i have uh periphery which is a full novel which is uh, just a culty and weird and and if you're into any of this kind of initiatory stuff mm-hmm. i think you're going to get a lot out of it and um i have a book of short stories and poems called the void sutras which no one's read in forever, but uh, I'm told by someone that read it recently that it's actually pretty good, but I haven't read it in forever. <laughs> and I have a new book coming out, um, which is called The the Theraveda Machine and Other Stories, which is a collection of short stories, uh, some of which are available on Amazon. But um, I wouldn't get those because there's going to be a book of all of them put together and two that are never been seen before, save for a few people. Mm-hmm. Those will be, those will be re- that'll be ready soon. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm in. I'm in the final stages right now. I just need to. We're in the kind of layout, uh, last licks editing kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it should be should be out. I mean, it'll be out this summer. You know, 
barring, I mean, hopefully within, you know, what, what, what are we in right now? June? Yeah. I think it'll be out by July. It'll definitely July? be out, yeah, July, I think. Awesome. It, it'd be weird if it didn't come out by July. But for, for people that are into, you know, magic and occult and weirdness, it's a read periphery because it's, mm-hmm. you know, it's, that's a book for you. Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Periphery is an excellent book. How many minutes are we at? Uh, 48. That's that's good. Let's wrap it up. Okay. Um, all right. So then uh, how can people find your work online, Alex? Uh, well, I'm Alex Bolin. Uh, Alex with two X's, B-O-L-L-E-N. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's on Amazon. And uh, I'm the host of the Alex Cast. So the AlexCast.com. AlexCast.com. I'm all also, right. uh, if you're into movies, uh, you host a show called John and Alex Hate Stuff, uh, which is... Uh, we watch a movie every other week. We watch a movie and then sit down and dissect it with each other, and uh, it's fun. It's a pretty quality show if you like movies. Which movie have you hated the most so far? You know, it's a really badly named show because we end up liking them far more often than we hate them. But, uh, oh, man, probably. I mean, there's a lot of the superhero movies were pretty shitty, like the the Justice League or Batman versus Superman. Batman those were pretty Superman bad. Really bad. Um. I think, what was the one that broke? There was one that, like, we really... Oh, uh, Jupiter Ascending made us put a no more Wachowskis rule on the show. That we will never do another Wachowskis movie. Um, unless, unless like, something, you know, unless, like, for some reason they change their... Like, they come out with, you know, uh, uh, Titanic meets Casablanca meets, uh, you know... Uh, the, the the second coming of Christ mm-hmm. uh, and, and it makes two billion dollars then maybe we'll rethink the world but Jupiter Sending fucking broke us that was a that was a bad movie yeah. well then what movie have you enjoyed the most well the one that was surprising to me was last week's episode was La La Land the, I've never even heard of that uh, it won best picture like last year two years ago or or was runner up for best picture hmm. um, it's very it's, possible that I'm a little out of touch yeah it's a mu- oh uh, yeah I, I say that like I, I don't even watch the Oscars it's just like it's I say that as a oh it's a very popular thing uh, it's a musical starring Ryan Gosling and uh, uh, that lady oh yeah I only remember his name because I kept calling him Ryan Reynolds, and I got I had to be corrected enough times that his name stuck. I get the two things uh, yeah. up. I think they look alike, don't they? I, to me, they do, but people tell me I'm wrong about that. Yeah. But uh, it's a musical based in L.A., and I, I found it absolutely fucking charming. Really? And, um, I was not expecting that at hmm. all. But the, the main kind of enjoyable one for me was Fifth Element, which was an early episode for us. Oh, I uh, love that movie. Yeah, I love it. John hates that movie. So the whole episode is me just being delighted how much John hates that movie and me <laughs> loving it. And then, I mean, frankly, I I don't like it nearly as much as I say on the episode, but it's so much fun to, to have John squirm. <laughs> well, I'll make sure that all of that stuff ends up in the, um, in the show notes. Uh, Alex, thank you so much, not only for encouraging me to start podcasting under the Arnimancy stuff, and but also for being my first guest. Oh, uh, no problem at all. I, I thank you very much for allowing me to wear my cloak. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, do we have to pay the virgins now or later? <laughs> I mean, it, it depends on how long later is. There's, uh, I got some plans for them. <laughs> Let's <laughs> oh, just say, cool. we're, we're, trying, we're trying both, you know. We're trying. Yeah, yeah. All right, you better stop. Thank you for listening to the Arnamancy podcast. You can find me online at arnamancy.com, where you can schedule a tarot reading or peruse the Arnamancy blog. You can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, 
Stitcher, Spotify, or your favorite podcatcher. If you like this podcast, support it for just $1 a month through Patreon at patreon.com slash arnamancy.